Good morning, church. We have two scripture readings today. The first is from Psalms, chapter 95, verses 6 to 7. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. The second is from Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 28 to 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Okay, last week we had a wonderful worship service. Who was here last week? Well, quite a few of you. Who watched it online? Anybody? All right, thank you. Well, it was a wonderful praise and prayer service, and we're hoping to do it again every fifth Sunday of the month here at Kobe Union Church. So that's a good Sunday to invite people, your friends, other people, family members, people you meet in the grocery store, anybody and everybody. Use it as a chance to do evangelism because it's a service full of music and testimonies and prayer. So remember that every fifth Sunday. Well, today, why did you come to Kobe Union Church? You might have many reasons. You might say, well, we came to worship God. That's what we do on Sundays. And I'm glad you're here. But I pray you're inspired also by the Holy Spirit. You're touched by the Holy Spirit while you are here worshiping God. I have a few questions for you to ponder while I preach. How do you hear God when you come to worship? Do you struggle to worship God on a regular basis? What helps you to worship God more easily? Maybe you have a preferred style. Do you have a preferred style or a preferred way or a preferred type of worship? And have you ever worshipped God even when you don't feel like it? Important questions for us to think about and perhaps further discuss. Well, let's look at our worship service today in the bulletin. You all have a bulletin. What's the most important part of the service for you? Well, the children might say, it's the children's moment. And the organist might say, well, it's the hymns. We don't know. <laughs> but it's the singing. Is it the praying together? The time of confession, asking God for forgiveness, and the words of assurance, the words of forgiveness. Or maybe it's the scripture. Our services revolve about on whatever scripture is chosen for that Sunday. And today is Communion Sunday, so how about communion? I believe that communion is quite important for us as Christians. But if you look at our services, we try to, on most Sundays, revolve whatever the scripture is or the theme with the words of um, confession, the assurance, the prayers, the songs that we sing. Even the prelude and postlude revolve about whatever scripture is chosen that day. A lot of prayer goes into each service. 
John Wesley said uh, that scripture is the first and foremost in all we do. So when we choose the scripture, the rest of the service is what flows around it. And Pastor Akiko and I prepare for worship through a lot of prayer and looking at whatever scripture or perhaps what themes need to be preached on. And we feel we're guided by the Holy Spirit when we do so. The people who are leading the praise music, the ones, they often are the ones who choose the praise hymns that we sing. They look at the scripture and they pray about what music, what praise song should be sung on any particular Sunday. And as I said, our organist will pray or look over whatever um, our scripture is before he or she chooses what they play. So as I want you to know, a lot of planning and prayer goes into each service. It's not something random. Everyone's view on worship is different. And we may have different styles of worship that we like or prefer. And we might have different kinds of music that we prefer. Some may like traditional hymns. Some people may like the praise songs. We do a blended service at Kobe Union Church where we do both praise songs and traditional hymns. And people have different styles for worship. Some people might like a more meditative, a quiet style of worship. Other people like a more perhaps energetic, um, charismatic, or a lively style of worship. Some people like ritual in worship. And maybe other people would prefer a more free-flowing and spontaneous type of worship. We do use different styles here at Kobe Union Church. We try, as I said, to do a blended service. We also have testimonies, different types of sermons. You know, sometimes you've heard a sermon that's more um, just on the scripture. Other times it's personal stories. If you remember Pastor Chuck, he had his own style of preaching. And we have guest preachers who bring their own style of preaching as well. And some of you may like the liturgy we put in the services, and other people may feel it's not as necessary or don't care for it as much. If you look at the word liturgy, it means, in ancient Greek, the work of the people, liturgy. So the Holy Spirit does work through the people, and the Holy Spirit works through all kinds of worship that we do. And we may have our personal preferences and our personal styles, but I believe the Holy Spirit can touch us in whatever style of worship that is being done. As for myself, I enjoy worshiping in a variety of ways, and I'm willing to try new ways of worship. I grew up Methodist, but I have been to different types of worship services as my 30 years as a pastor. I've been to Pentecostal services, Mennonite services, Baptist. My deceased brother was an American Baptist pastor. Disciples of Christ. My uncle was a Disciples of Christ pastor. He also served at a congregational church. Um, I've been to Lutheran services. As some of you know, my son, Co is studying to become a Lutheran pastor. I've been to Presbyterian services, African Methodist Episcopal. AME, they're known as, Assembly of God, and my oldest son is going to an Assembly of God church now in L.A. with his Filipino girlfriend. Very exciting. We're hoping for a wedding next year. I've been to Catholic services, non-denominational, and perhaps other services I can't recall. I did attend an ecumenical seminary in Berkeley known as Pacific School of Religion. 
And I served at West Tokyo Union Church, a union church for 17 years, which is interdenominational and ecumenical. So I find the different traditions, and perhaps in some churches they don't have very many traditions, but I find them very interesting, and I find I can learn from them. I remember at our last church, we talked about this one time when we were having a worship meeting, and we said, well, maybe it's like Baskin-Robbins ice cream. There's one flavor you prefer, but that doesn't mean you can't appreciate or maybe even try the other flavors. And perhaps it's good to try different styles for a change. Back um, in West Tokyo Church, and also when I was a pastor in Hawaii, we had what's known as a confirmation class for the youth. That's a type of discipleship class for young people, usually from the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, to take time to learn about what it means to be a member of the church, what it means to be a Christian. And after um, many weeks of classes, they are confirmed. They become members of the church. It's a type of discipleship class. And I would take them as to different churches. I would take them to a Catholic church, or I would take them to... Um, a Baptist church, and I also would take them in Hawaii, I took them to the Buddhist church, they called it churches there, not temple, and even to the synagogues, to the Jewish um, worship, style of worship. And it helped them to grow, to understand what other people believe, and I think it grounded them more in their own Christian faith by learning what others believe and respecting other people's beliefs, but knowing where they stand as Christians. We can do worship in many places, in our homes or outside, in the beauty of God's nature. We can really worship God anywhere. And it's just like prayer. We can pray anywhere. It's the same thing. But we, uh, and we may worship God alone. But we're also highly encouraged to worship God in community. In Psalm 133, 1 says, How good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We worship to God just like today as a community, as a family, as the body of Christ. We're not alone. We have the body of Christ surrounding us, encouraging us, praying with us. And it's something we all need, especially prayer as we struggle and maybe stumble through our faith journeys. But we support one another in worship. We support one another in prayer as we praise God together. In our praise songs that we sing, a lot of times the songs are focused more on us or we. They'll say, let us worship the Lord, or we come to worship you. Let us shout to the Lord. Let us adore the Lord. Let us sing together. Let us bow down. Let us. So the word us is included. Let us kneel before the Lord. So the songs are even encouraging us to worship together. The last two years, we've had to pivot in our Sunday worship services due to COVID, and we had to learn how to worship on Zoom in a variety of ways. We appreciated all the ways that many people contributed. But there's something to be said for corporate worship, because I know I missed it, and I'm very glad that we're now back to worshiping in person. Some people still choose to watch online for a variety of reasons, but I'm glad when we can come together to this space as a community, this space to worship together. 
In Acts and the Epistles, we see that the early church was faithful in coming together in a shared space for corporate worship. And this is at a time even when Christians were being persecuted, and it was dangerous to come together as a community. But examples of worship together as a community can be seen in the Old Testament and in the Gospels. Probably the most famous image of corporate worship comes from Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And that's what we're doing today. We're breaking bread during communion, we're singing, and we're praying together. When Isaiah, and this is found in Isaiah 6, comes into the presence of the Lord, it's obvious how he feels about the Lord. He saw the Lord on high with a sense of awesomeness and respect. He saw the Lord as the God of hosts. And Isaiah experienced the awesome presence of God. He acknowledged the authority of God. He renewed his commitment to God. He renewed his obedience to God. These are all aspects of worship as well. So why do we come together when it's especially more convenient to stay home and maybe watch church online? You can stay in your pajamas, you drink coffee while listening to the worship service. And during COVID, that's what we had to do. It was hard to come and worship together as we're doing now during a pandemic. But we're, are, we are able to come together. A few people may still be cautious, and please don't judge them. This is their own choice. But we thank you for those who are here, and we are thankful to God that we do have live streaming to extend our community to others who can't be here and to others who might be watching throughout the world. We stay connected through worship. So we are commanded by the Lord, do not neglect in meeting together. Scripture also says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And God commands us and God invites us to worship. Back in John Wesley's time, he emphasized the need for Methodists to gather with one another in order to receive grace in various forms. He said these words, Worship is not only something we do, offering praise and offering ourselves, but through worship we receive grace. So our worship, we receive grace, and it's a response to God. It's honoring God. It's a time to surrender to God all that we are and allow God's love to fill us. It's a chance to hear God, whatever God might be saying to us. It's a time to realign our hearts with God as the Lord of our lives. And worship is a way of showing our love for God, how much we love God. We are immersed in that love during worship. Or I hope we are, and I pray we are. Worship is an invitation to God to do all God wants us to do as, as a response to the Holy Trinity. Worship is putting God first in our lives. Worship blesses and pleases God. At times, we may not feel like worshiping, but at other times, it's when we come together, we are encouraged, and worship will lift our spirits. Worship shows obedience to God, and worship helps us to grow spiritually. And as I've said, worship brings us closer, much closer to God. 
And perhaps you have other, other responses of when you think of worship and other reasons to worship. But we all should be participants in the worship of God. It's not passive, but it's an active. It's an active response to God. The Holy Spirit moves in and through us all in worship. Worship allows us a time to be touched by the Spirit. Worship's a transforming activity. Worship comes from the heart. We're transformed during worship. It changes us. We're drawn to Jesus in worship. And as followers of Christ, we strive to be more and more like Jesus Christ. A pastor once said, worship is the furnace of our spiritual life. Well, when I think of the furnace, I think of God's Holy Spirit at times as fire. God's Holy Spirit, fire within, fire moving through us. And I'm someone who loves Pentecost, which you can read about in Acts 2. And God's fire burns through, inside and throughout the world when we worship. We have passion for our Lord Jesus Christ as we worship. Pentecost, if you go back to Acts 2, was a very special worship when they understood each other's language and they worshiped when 3,000 came to believe in the Lord. People are drawn to Christ through worship. We're inspired by worship, and I believe that's what helps us when we are inspired to go out and tell others about Jesus Christ. And evangelism, that's one of the fruits of worship. This is where worship continues outside of the sanctuary and outside of our homes. We are sent by God to share God's love with others. And this is the scripture that I would like to share with you when I'm thinking of worship. And I'll be preaching on this scripture um, the end of this month, September 24th. That'll be part two of worship. Please listen. This is from Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord seated on high and lofty throne, and his robes filled the temple. My eyes have seen the God, the Lord of hosts. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. Paul told the Corinthian church to worship in such a clear way that if an unbeliever entered, he or she is convicted by all and is judged by all. The secrets of their hearts will be revealed, and as a result, they will fall faceward down and worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. The early Christians evangelized, and evangelists sprang from their worship, their worship witness to the awesome display of God's presence and God's power. Unbelievers were drawn to Christ. They were drawn to Christ through worship. And in turn, their worship compelled them to tell others about him. These wholehearted worshipers called to the whole world the whole, to wholehearted worship. We're drawn to God in worship and we're drawn to others, to Christ, as witnesses. Because worship will inspire us. The force and the fire of God, the furnace of God, will be burning in our hearts and we desire to spread that fire of Christ. Isaiah, if you've read about Isaiah, he was commissioned to go and speak to his people only after he saw the Lord in worship. Isaiah heard and he responded. So worship helps us to realize the calling. It helped him to realize the calling of his life, and it helps us to realize the calling of our lives. 
were drawn to God's presence through worship and were sent out, just like Isaiah, into the world. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Author Joseph Tuck says this about worship. Worship is a way of life. We offer our bodies and minds as living sacrifices. We worship when we share the gospel. We worship God when we give through financial offerings. This is also found in scripture. We worship God when we help others. This is also found in scripture. The references are all in my manuscript. We say that he is worthy of our time, attention, and loyalty. We praise his glory and his humility in becoming one of us for our sakes. We praise his righteousness and his mercy. We praise him for the way he is. Worship is our response to God. And I praise God, I thank God in response to God's works. And I worship because I worship for whom God is, simply because God is God. Worship's done any time we can commune with God. And then inspiring worship might call us to go out and share what we have learned. Communion. This is what we're having today. You see the elements up here on the altar. Communion is also known as Eucharist and also known as the Great Thanksgiving. Communion, Eucharist, the Great Thanksgiving. Well, one more word, the Lord's Supper. And it doesn't just happen with the bread and juice of the vine, but it happens outside of the worship as well. We're called to go out and serve after we've been nourished by the bread, symbolizing the broken body of Christ and his cup representing his blood poured for us for the forgiveness of sins. We're one with Christ, one with each other, and one with the world. Eucharist is from the word, the Greek word, eucharistia, for thanksgiving. Eucharist communion is a time of thanksgiving, the great thanksgiving. It's central act of Christian worship. Some churches do it every Sunday. Our church does it the first Sunday of each month. In this poem, I'm going to share with you the priest who wrote the poem. He's an Irish chaplain. He's giving communion. He's giving the Eucharist by sharing God's love with others outside of the sanctuary setting. And he does this through a smile, by listening, and forgiveness. So let me close with this poem. The poem is called The Eucharist. He was old, tired, and sweaty, pushing his homemade cart down the alley, stopping now and then to poke around in someone's garbage. I wanted to tell him about Eucharist, but the look in his eyes, the despair on his face, the hopelessness of someone else's life in his cart told me to forget it. So I smiled, I said hi, and I gave him Eucharist. She lived alone, her husband dead, her family gone. She talked at you, not to you. Words, endless words, spewed out. So I listened, and I gave her Eucharist. Downtown is nice, lights changing from red to green and back again, flashing blues, pinks, and oranges. I gulped them in, said, thank you, Father and made them Eucharist. I laughed at myself and told myself, you, with all your sin, 
and all your selfishness. I forgive you. I accept you. I love you. It's nice and so necessary to give yourself, Eucharist. My Father, when will we learn you cannot talk, Eucharist, you cannot philosophize about it? You do it. You don't dogmatize, Eucharist. Sometimes you laugh it. Sometimes you cry it. Often you sing it. Sometimes it's wild peace, then crying hurt. Often humiliating, never deserved. You see Eucharist in another's eyes. Give it in another's hand, held tight. Squeeze it in an embrace. You pause, Eucharist, in the middle of a busy day. Speak it in another's ear. Listen to it from a person who wants to talk. For Eucharist is as simple as being on time and as profound as sympathy. I give you my supper. I give you my sustenance. I give you my life. I give you me. I give you Eucharist. Amen.